Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Welcome back, Maximum Octane. This is your host, Kim Hickey. I'm super excited, as usual, for my guest today. And I keep saying, Jim, I am so excited always for my guests, because I get to handpick them. So I always pick people I like and enjoy talking to. So joining me today is a friend and colleague, Mr. Jim Bennett. And I have to, I have a paper in front of me because this man has more certifications than anyone you've ever met in your entire life. I dare you to find somebody with more. And these are all practical use certifications. We all know those people that have 10,000 degrees and certifications and it's stuff they don't ever use in their life. And Jim uses like all of these every day, which is crazy. So Mr. Jim Benny, he's the owner and operator of Car Masters in Norfolk, Virginia. He is on the Virginia Automotive uh, Association Board of Directors, the Hampton Roads Napa BDG president. He's AMAM. He's a world-class technician. He has 31 current ASC certifications, including service consultant and collision estimator. He's also a certified executive coach. He's a Virginia State Police Safety Inspector with an unlimited license. And the list goes on. We Jim has so many that we actually, for one of our company meetings, bought one of those scrolling LED name tags so that we can fit all of Jim's certifications. So I will have the complete list on the website if you if you click on it. And, um, but if I keep going on them, we're going to spend half of the podcast talking about his certification. So in, in addition to all of that, he is the uh, instructor for the technician apprentice program and also technician training for ATI. And he has written the entire curricula. It's incredible. And we're working with some pretty big companies, which I won't mention right now because they're so impressed with it. They are wanting it. But Jim does an amazing job with teaching people and making them really understand. And so I'm excited that you have time out and not busy getting a certification today. And Jim is here actually with me in, in Fajardo. We're in Fajardo, Puerto Rico for our big annual super conference with our members. And um, so this is probably one of the few times he's not out learning something or teaching something. So I'm grabbing you while you're here. So how are you? Unbelievable. Yeah. Doing great. Unbelievable. So, you know, one of the things that we have in, in our industry today is trying to find technicians. That's all anyone speaks about is you can't find techs, can't find techs, can't find techs. And 
service advisors. And then when you get attacked, some of them don't stay. And there's, there's, there's so many things going on. What do you think is the biggest reason for that? Cause I know they're out there. I know there's amazing technicians out there. Well, a lot of that is there's a stigma in automotive, you know, that some of our parts changers and, and we, we need to overcome that. And part of that is going right to the high schools. And there's some incredible young men and women. And there's a lot of women that are that should be looking to this industry. There's ones that have entered it already that are just doing incredibly successful and there should be more considering it. But at the same token, one of the core things we do at ATI is personality profile testing. And I've personally seen uh, some of our members in ATI in the training that were in my technician mentoring workshop that had two individuals that one of them was in an apprentice program and one of them wasn't. And the one in the apprentice program wasn't doing as well as the one that was not. And when we did a a personality profile testing, the one that was doing better was the right personality fit to be a technician. The other one was a personality fit being sales, like a service advisor or collision estimator. So sometimes without knowing, we set people up for failure. And and we we owe our, our team, our employees better than that. So we at ATI, we have a solution for that. And part of that accord that is starting out with personality profiles uh, testing and setting expectations clearly. That is absolutely true. We see that with all of the positions within the organizations. And so if you are not with ATI, because this can't be an ATI commercial for us, but um, it is it is really important that you do some kind of personality profile testing. And there's many of them online. There's free ones. We, the one we use is a little more extensive and so we, we pay for it, but understanding the right people and getting the right people for the right job, because so many times we hire somebody and we think they're going to be a great service advisor because they have a bubbly personality, or we think they're going to be a great technician because they love taking apart their bicycle or they tinkered with a car at home or something. And that's, that's not the whole piece of it, right? That's not the whole piece of it. So training is something a, a lot we hear. And it, and I think there's also a stigma to it. When somebody comes in the industry, if they're trying to get into it, we really don't do a good job with developing them and putting a career path together. And especially on the technician side and they see movies and they get motivated to think they want to maybe work on cars and stuff because they watch like Fast and the Furious or they see something. And that's not the real automotive industry, right? And so we bring people in that think they're going to be building this race car, race cars all day long and doing these things. And then we're like, hey, you're going to change tires and, you know, sweep the floor for a year and then we'll see what else. What do you, what do you say about that? Well, some of us do race cars, but that's another story. Some do. That's a different podcast. But anyway, um, one of the things that I learned, I did 22 years in the Navy. And part of that was with uh, on, in the fleet on ships and auxiliary propulsion. Part of that was with Naval Special Warfare. And I took two really valuable lessons out of that. When you made uh, E5 and above, Petty Officer, they sent you to LMET school, which was Leadership Management Education Training. No matter whether you were a cook or a mechanic, it didn't matter. Everybody, when they made a certain seniority because they were going to be managing and leading people, they got leadership training. And the automotive industry, our technicians only get nuts, bolts, technical training. And, and then we put them in a leadership techni- uh, position when almost every college, I've done a lot of research and looked at 
incredible different uh, surveys and studies that at the most leadership's only about 30, 30% genetic or less. There again, that's still a high enough percentage where those personality profiles are important. But what that means is the majority is through training and experience. And, and unfortunately, they're getting set up for failure. And some of them, when, when, when they get put in a position they never were trained for to lead people, and it doesn't work, they leave the automotive industry. So we lease, leave, lose senior great people. And sometimes those same people, I know we've all heard uh, shops say, never let that technician talk to the customer, you know, the service writer shop owner. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, that's the same one. You know, you got to look at your whole team as internal customers. You know, I, I learned that from Dennis Snow from the book Lessons from the Mouse in the ATI Book Club. That was incredible. But, you know, so those of you that take advantage, read that book. It's a good book for team building. I actually the, have, if you look through the library, I have a podcast with Dennis Snow talking about. So, yeah, that. but the, uh, what, what we need to do, though, is we need to have those testing done no matter what you do. We need to give our management, our, our technician team leaders, leadership training, and uh, it'll be a game changer. As well as when these young individuals are coming, invite their parents, bring them into the shop. Every shop that is a successful shop is using are using lab scopes and extensive diagnostic where you're an electrician, an electronics technician, and a network engineer with the multiple different speed networks you're doing. And we're doing advanced driver assist and on the verge of autonomous vehicles in the shop with some of the uh, pedestrian automatic braking, everything else we do with ADOS. So... It's a very technical and it's a very rewarding career when done well and when fully, when the passions there and fully embraced. So some of some of the parents don't even support. In fact, some of the colleges, when I've been on a lot of different panels and boards, they are putting emphasis on college education, post secondary, and not so much on the skilled trades. Right. So there's a lot less people that know about it or or they're being directed to it because there's a lot of Votex. Uh, many of them are closed down or where every school had their own. Now there's maybe one in a county. So we really need to embrace that. And we need to look for that for opportunity for some excellent men and young men and women to bring in an industry. We really have to start much earlier, too. I, I know some of the shops I see, they do a great job going, you know, their senior year over to the school for somebody's senior year. But by then, most people already sort of have an idea what they want to do. So if they didn't ever think about being a technician, that usually is not going to sway them because their parents and everybody else have decided that they're going to do something else. And I think that people today don't realize how bright and just articulate in all of the things that you need to be a technician because you have to understand logic and processing and computers beyond whatever. It's just crazy. And so all of the people out there that just think about, you know, technicians or grease monkeys or, you know, mechanics, and they don't want their kid busting their butt all day physically, you know, laying under a car all day. It's like no one's laying under a car. And I mean, we have lifts. We have, there, there's so many other things now and to do in the industry. And even as a technician that the computer skills needed, I mean, holy cow. It's it's just crazy what what's going on. I, I you know I have some friends in the IT industry, and they're computer whizzes, and they can build any computer. And they're like the stuff with the cars. They said is so advanced and so beyond. You know they have degrees in IT and computer and all of that, and they cannot do anything with their vehicles, even when somebody tries to explain them, because they said it's so advanced and it's a wonderful career for people to get into. 
Well, when I was in the Navy, one of the things I did at Naval Station uh, Training Center in Great Lakes, I was uh, developed animated curriculum for remediation on computers. And then I took, taught a course how to do that. Then I was put in charge of the databases and I was a database programmer. So I got into computer programming even as a mechanic. And that helped me to understand when we got into automotive, or I probably would have been lost too because it's challenging, especially when you get into um, a vehicle security professional, which I also have a locksmith ID through National of Automotive Service Task Force. Of course <laughs> but it, 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 the thing is, as we get older technicians, instead of them losing their job and opportunity, that's when they can get into more module programming, more security programming, more key and transponder programming, ADOS calibration. There's so much opportunity. And the same token, right now, there's numerous lawsuits throughout the com- country where shops are doing traditional shock and strut changes and alignments and replacing tires and changing the circumference going from ball to new. And manufacturers check, let's say they're supposed to calibrate ADOS, and they're not doing that. And it's making the car less safe. There's actually laws against that. U.S. Code 4930122, for example. Wow. You know, so, you know, that, that, and there's so much opportunity for young and old using te- technology to, to make the vehicles safer for the people to drive them. And that's what, why we're in business. Let's talk about a little bit. One of the things that I know for years we've been talking about, you're going to have to grow your own. We, we knew that this tech shortage was coming for gosh, 20, 30 years ago that this, this, you know, was starting the progression of it. And we didn't do anything about it. Right. And we, we've been saying you have to, you have to mentor your own people. You have to find, you know, people that want to get into the industry, want to learn and, when we have done that, it has not been successful a lot because we take whatever our, whoever our best tech is and we're like, hey, shadow him or her and see, you know, let them teach you. Well, your best tech on the floor and your certified A tech that's the most productive does not have time to be babysitting somebody and just sitting around and following. And, and most of the time they just leave them not doing anything because they don't have time or they don't want to take the time or they make them do really menial tasks because they don't know what else to do with them. And they don't, as you mentioned, have leadership training. They don't have instructor training. They don't have whatever. And many of them don't have the best dispositions to begin with because they're very fast paced or under the car, you know, and then we're like, Hey, take this young person that we want to shape and grow and don't do it. So why do you think that there's such a resistance in our industry to, to really train the trainers, to take your best tech, if that's who you want to be, but vet them and make sure, are you really someone that can become a mentor and an instructor and give them the training? Why don't we train the trainer, Jim? That's, I guess, I could have said that much more simply. I have done a presentation on this and I kind of named it, are you too busy to help yourself? Love it. short and people are too busy. And they keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. We know what that is. So you, you're going to have, just like again, you mentioned racing, I do have raced and own stock cars that race at uh, NASCAR home tracks in Hampton, Virginia. Um, sometimes, just like in Days of Thunder, you have to slow down to go fast. That is so true. You know, if you're pushing too hard and overdriving, you're going to break stuff and not do well. You know, and, want to hear and, a funny story about that movie? Sure. So I was driving home from that movie, and I love I love 
you know me. I love cars. I love fast. I love blah, 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 motors, motorcycles, but whatever. So I went to see that movie. I was like, oh my gosh, I was so discharged up. And I had a uh, red Mazda RX-7 um, stick shift, of course. And I was coming home and I, there was this really windy road like to go to my house. And of course, I was just got out of Days of Thunder movie. I had Pirelli tires on the back. I had, I was moving and shaking and going. I had my stereo blast and I had the soundtrack in from uh, Days of Thunder and Guns N' Roses was blasting. And all of a sudden I heard this pop and I thought my tire blew out. So I about had a, and I was like, oh my God. And I was all bracing it, like the steering wheel. And then I heard another pop and I'm like, that's a second tire. And then a third pop and a fourth. And I was like, Oh my, you know, like I didn't know what to do. And I thought I'm going to go off the road and I'm going to die because I'm an idiot because I think I'm, you know, in days of thunder and cold trickle. Well, I had soda, a case of Pepsi in the back of my, in the hatch and it was Arizona. It was 118 degrees. So while I was driving, my soda cans started popping from the heat. So yeah. So I almost killed myself over a soda, soda can and stupid thinking I could drive like cold trickle, right? Wasn't that his name in there? So don't do that, people. Don't do that. And I'll tell you, it's a lot harder than it looks when you get on the track. Oh, it's, like, listen, I can't even imagine. when you're doing well every lap. I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. So anyway, on, on the technicians, though, the um, what has to happen, they, they need that leadership training. If they, When they don't get that leadership training, and that old crusty tech, like you said, what part of the, we have an AMI accredited mentoring workshop. Whether you go through ATI, find other leadership training and include personality profile testing, because sometimes your mentors, they, if they understand their personality and the difference of the person they're working with, they can, they're able to adjust. Now, some old crusty ones aren't, you, what you got is what you and got. And there's some young crusty ones too. Exactly. Well, and just like w- w- we teach our service advisors to, to identify customers, different buying personalities. And so they can adjust whether they're a fleet or like performance or safety, you know, we can go on. It's a whole class in itself, but we kind of need to do the same training with our technicians and our supervisors. And typically a lot of the senior techs don't want to do that because it gets added on and doesn't get compensated and it slows them down. It actually sometimes hurts their money. Um, part of what we teach is kind of like or we when, force them to do it at night. Right. They want to be home with what, their family and they're tired. We do this during the day and it's kind of like a promotion because you're teaching a management and leadership. You're making them a technician mentor. We're thoroughly training them on the difference between an instructor, a mentor, a coach, an instructor, which there's clearly differences, you know, and a leader. And we have them understand all of and we screen them to see if they're in, in fact a fit for that. But also we have, where we try to elevate the whole team, where everybody gets a five-year growth plan and you update that every year, even the apprentice when they come in with, with, with our with our program and everybody's program should have that, to where the um, mid and junior tax, they can be an assistant to the mentor to take some of the load doing some of the modeling and demonstrating. And then as the apprentice, can some when they graduate and get through their program, they can be assistant mentor. And sometimes assistants can move up, be the mentor and you help elevate the whole team through their career. And everybody's on the same page that way. And they're working together as a team. You can do a lot more when you all row in the same direction at the same time. I'll tell you, it really, it, 
upset is probably not the right word, but I get so disappointed sometimes when we talk to people in our industry and about sending their technicians or their service advisors or shuttle drivers or whatever through leadership class or whatever. And they're like, they don't need that. They're just a this. They're just a that. There's there's no just a. You, what, you know, who doesn't want everyone in their organization to think and act like a leader? Like, I don't, I don't understand that mentality of, no, I don't want to put training into that person. They're just a whatever. Like everybody, like where is the downfall to every person in your company thinking and acting like a leader? Do you think, Jim, it's because most small business owners don't even go through enough leadership training and don't work on their leadership skills with intent that they don't feel like it's important for their team? I, I think a lot of it is they don't know what they don't know. You know, so I don't think they don't know it's so much important. Uh, they don't think it's important. They just don't know how important it is. And some good coaching and training and leaders, you know, that manage and help work with them every week can do that. The uh, I work primarily and coach the shop technician mentors and the senior technicians in the shop or our, my other brothers and sisters at ATI are teaching and training mostly shop owners and some service advisors. But some of the shop owners are also the team leaders are still working in the bay. So I'm working with them as well. And I can remember telling one of them that you or your replacement will need some sales training. Well, why? I'm not working at the front counter. And I said, well, you've got a team of technicians, right? Well, yes. Every once in a while, you get some new equipment, new policy, new procedure, or new government law rule, especially when we went through COVID. We know how that was. We know we were there. But things come out, right? Changes? Well, yeah. I said, no, I, I've owned a sh- started a shop in 1998, four years before I re- retired from the Navy. And there's almost nothing is the same now that it was in 1998 because of technology and, and things and, and everything else, economy. Well, yeah. Well, who convinces them and gets buy-in from the team and sells the new procedures, the new tools to the team? And I got like the deer in the headlight look. <laughs> I grew up in the country, so I know what that looks like. You know, I, I literally get, and I'm on a Zoom with them or I'm face-to-face in a meeting with them. And you get literally the deer in the headlight look. Well, you have to be able to sell that to them. You have to get their buy-in. You have to establish the need, build value, and make them want to do it and believe in it. Isn't that kind of selling? Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. So we, we all need, and plus not to mention, if you do get some of that training, it helps you to appreciate and better understand what your service advisors and your sales staff have to do with the customer. Plus, as well as anytime you're doing an apprentice program, and there's multiple ones out there. The one that I was blessed with and given the opportunity to help uh, establish at ATI, I was uh, felt really blessed and honored that I was approved and selected. There was, I think, 10 of us every week for three months in 2001. Um, and there was another probably seven or eight that cycled in and out. I sat the ASE NATAF accreditation panel for the automotive standards and helped rewrite and update all the accreditation standards that every college, trade school, and high school has to meet to uh, gain or, or keep and maintain their accreditation for ASE NATAF automotive programs. And so needless to say, being on the panel and, and having a lot of input on, on the current standards, we include all those with our ATI training. We also include best practice from ATI that they've learned over decades. I've also for over 20 years been an expert witness in court and arbitration expert. 
And I've learned a lot of things in another presentation I do that if you have a chance, you might not have done anything wrong, but you didn't do enough right. Give us an example of that, because I love that presentation you have. One of the things is the, the technician could have done a proper repair, but they may not have post-repair after mileage test drive, or there may have been some pre-existing <clears throat> conditions with other leaks. There, there's so much that goes to it, and they didn't properly, um, hopefully they're using digital vehicle inspection photos. They didn't document that well, or they didn't document the repair order well. So we do a lot of training. I've We have five classes that are half-day classes just for doing a multi-point inspection, a digital vehicle inspection. And a lot of times that's looked at as, as an entry-level class. I have 20 and 30-year techs that sit them that, oh my God, they pick up several golden nuggets from each class. And originally they said, because they're, they're really dedicated to their team. So they're sitting in the class because they want to know what their junior people are getting. And then they walk away with things. And there again, a lot of this I've learned in court. And one of the things on the documentation, I've heard many, many judges say, when a shop had three or four people there, and they all said, we told the customer X, Y, Z. And the judge picks up the customer's invoice that the customer provided. And says, you know, I don't see this on the invoice. I see the amount you build them because that was important for you. If it was really important what you told me, it would have been on the invoice as well. And the, customer, and the judge asked the customer, do you remember hearing that? No. So where do you think that case went? Yeah. And being an expert, I know from reviewing the vehicle and what they did, they truly didn't do anything wrong. Most of the time, the not doing enough right is between the technician and the service writer documentation. The, the same thing with like um, Brian, my brother, Brian Honecutt at ATI. <laughs> he just talked about selling diagnostics and he gets the shop owners into the, the, the importance and how to and, and, and sell that and, uh, and do it right. I take that to the technical level with both the service advisors and the technicians and explain step by step on a, like a level one diagnostic of setting every expectation. One of the things I, I frequently see so many diagnostics say, check engine light on, and then the next line for labor is diagnose cause or check and advise. That is, should absolutely never happen. You should clearly set those expectations for like a level one, and that would be a constant always that a customer can tell you exactly how to duplicate or it does it all the time. And we go through the, a minimum of five different levels and setting expectations. So it's got to be everything we do should be if we teach at ATI. And we believe in one of our fundamentals. I it's, swear to you, this is not and, a commercial not ATI, for this ATI. Should, this should, this be, should for be everybody. So anybody, if you're listening, right. you you need to be getting training for your people. You need to make sure that you're training your technicians. And I'm not talking about once a year, something on the scanner that your local parts house puts out. But you have to get them real training, leadership training training on what's going on with the laws, OSHA. There's so many things mm -hmm. out there that we really harm ourselves because we don't pay attention to it. I I, I just, I, I had someone tell me the other day that in their state, I won't even mention what state, but they we were speaking about OSHA and they said, no, we don't have that in our state. And I won't say what state. And I said, every state has OSHA requirements. It's federal. No, no, we don't have OSHA here. Yeah, yes, you have OSHA here. And, and so there's so many things and you can really open yourself up for 
lawsuits and just besides the lawsuits, I mean, somebody can really get hurt with different things, whether it's your customer, sorry, whether it's your customer, your internal, external, that, that can really get hurt if you're not properly doing it. So get some good training for your technicians, whether it's with us or anybody else. It's, it's so important. And stop hanging your people out to dry. Don't, don't make somebody a trainer or a mentor or a supervisor or whatever, without getting them the proper training, like train the trainer. And that goes for all of you as well. You have to invest in true leadership training for yourself and with intent listening to like 20 books when you're driving to work is not leadership training. They're great. I want you to keep reading the books, but that doesn't make you a trained leader, a trained trainer, and all of that, right, Jim? I mean, they just have to. Well, everything has to be good for the customer, for your team, your yes. and your advisor, and the shop at the same time. It's got to be fair and good for everybody. Absolutely. The, uh, and you mentioned the OSHA. There's some people didn't realize, and, and just to clarify, there's a difference between being OSHA certified and OSHA trained. Um, certain industrial shipyards and things like that and construction have to have 30 hours OSHA certification. Whereas every business, not just automotive, but every business, the employer is required to train their employees on hazards associated with job. So even um, if you're doing a call center with when you're not working on cars and you have computers and there's carpal tunnel or your CRT with your eye or you're picking up cases of paper, and you're lifting, there's hazards everywhere the employers are required to train. And I'm not I'll, laughing at you. In my head, I'm thinking of those dreaded car warranty expiration call center uh-huh. people. And like, what kind of training can can you just, that somebody's going to threaten you or run you off the road if they ever see because they called you 500 times. But I'm sorry, my head just, when you say call well, center, I'm like, your car expiration. I love when they call me from a car 15 years ago. Well, and, and part of the training, though, it needs to be, in, like I said, in addition to technical, the leadership, employee engagement. Also, we want laws. And people are like, laws? I'm not a legal expert, but here's what I have found. That you every better state, become every, one or hire somebody that there, will. There are certain federal laws like TPMS and converters and other laws. There's also a majority of the states have a lot of laws. Like I'll give you an example. Many states require you to offer to return customer their parts because they're their original parts. And there's a lot of variety of laws like that. Also have to clarify when you sell the part, is it new, used, you know, line LKQ, you know, salvage. And one of the best sources I'll share with everybody they should go to is the Motorist Assurance Program, motorist.org which is also uh, is the part that's open to the public, which gives a lot of standards of how we should communicate. They use uniform inspection communication standards. And that has a, a lot of the guidance if you're following the motor assurance program standards that many of the states require. And even if they don't, it's a best practice. And the professional shop side, should you want to join, is they call it AMRA, Automotive Maintenance Repair Association, AMRA.org. That's where there's the uniform inspection communication standards for like over 4,000 parts. 
there's like a couple of pages just what can go wrong on a tire. And that's amra.org. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put the I'll put the links in the Automotive posting. Maintenance Repair Association. Okay. So those those are there are just so many different things where we we train on and we should be training to keep our shops out of trouble. And and like for example in Virginia, they call it the Automobile Repair Facilities Act and most states have laws like that. I've seen some incredible honest ethical shops with hardworking people that have been in business for decades that weren't aware of that law that started in 1979. And there's things that they, like there again, you might not have done anything wrong, but didn't do enough right to where if you weren't complying with everything that law said and you didn't have certain things posted, then technically you could be violating your customer's rights. You could get in trouble when you're there to try to, to help them. To help them. Yeah. So there, but we try to, you know, at least with the program that everybody should have, should be all encompassing, you know, where you're, you're training the owner. So he goes and supports the service writer, supports the technician. You're training on leadership, employee engagement, what your laws require, best practices. That way you provide, you stay out of trouble. You do a better job identifying pre-existing conditions. Because when you do that well, that will reduce your liability, increase your opportunity. And that is like we said earlier, that's good for the customer, good for the shop, good for the team. Love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I know you're super busy, so I figured I'd yank you in here before you got into uh, anything else. So any closing closing remarks or things for our, our uh, viewers and listeners or just go to that motorist.org and amra.org? That's a good start. The, okay. big, the biggest thing, you got to slow down. You know, if you, if you, if you go too fast, you're not going to keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results. You got to slow down and go fast. And then can we post your email in case anybody has any specific questions? Okay. So I'll have all that posted, the links. Um, If you're watching this on YouTube, they'll be below. If you're listening to your, by your favorite pod player, then, and the ACAST player will have all the stuff underneath that. So Jim, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank you for watching. All right, everybody stay safe, make good choices and stay inspired. And I will be back next week. Bye-bye everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can.